Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fifty one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. One, fly ball, deep left center. Chris, I'm on the run. Yes, 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 yes. 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 Twenty five lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High five ball. Built to right center. And the Braves have landed. Twenty-five lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know I got to get paid. Swing and drive, back to right. Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, the happiest episode Doc and I will have ever hosted together as your Atlanta Braves have broken the seal. They ended the curse. They are the wildcard champions moving on to the NLDS for the first playoff victory in 19 long, winless years. Brought to you by Armchair Media and our friends at Bet Online. You know what's going on in the world of sports right now. We've got playoff baseball. We've got the NFL in full swing. We've got college football in full swing. We've got finals basketball still going on. There's a lot of different sports to capture your attention. If you like to bet a little bit, 2020 has been kind of rough. If you if you like to get a little bit extra out of your sports when you weren't even certain they were going to be sports, you like to bet on a few games, make up the ante a little bit in what's already a, a, a gratis-type season, go to Bet Online. They've got all the prop bets, all the, the in-game lines, all the live scores you could possibly need to satisfy any and all of your gambling urges. Bet Online does a great job of providing a very easy user interface. Very simple, very simple, very easy to use. Go to betonline.com or betonline. Just let them know that you found out from the Platinum Sombrero. All right, dog. I could have gone a little bit longer on that ad, but I really didn't want to because we get to have the show you and I have been wanting to have for three years. It seems. <laughs> it seems a little strange to get so excited about just winning the wild card series, you know, but for as many for as many different series as have come and gone and series we were supposed to win, games we were supposed to win, games we got gypped out of winning, uh, outfield fly roll type stuff, which I'm pretty sure the eight-year anniversary of is today. It finally happened. It was done in spectacular fashion. I've been trying to really consider what my life was like the last time the Braves won a playoff series. Uh, I was 19 years old, which to me seems like an eternity. How old were you? You were 9, 10? 
I was 10 years old. <laughs> wow. So now that you've fast-forwarded 19 years and you have a child of your own, how are you feeling about the fact that they took this series? I mean, I, I can't begin to tell you how excited I was. I didn't cry or anything, um, but I did have to step outside at work because MLB is ridiculous, and for some reason they wonder why they can't figure out how to get a fan base. Uh, grown, but then they start games at noon, start playoff games at noon on a weekday, but uh, I had to step outside at work to go yell into the void and just cheer. <laughs> so uh, if that lets you know, I know it's just a wild card round, and you and I had talked about it, and I was never scared of the Cincinnati Reds. I was never worried about, about this series at all, uh, but even so, just getting that first series out of the way, I we're going to talk about this a little bit later and how it pertains to the NLDS, but for me, that was that was the moment that I think that that's been the biggest struggle for the Braves. Not that the Braves have played good teams. They've played some good teams uh, in the postseason for sure, like the Dodgers a couple years ago. Uh, but I, I think the bigger opponent for the Braves lately in the postseason has been the Braves themselves. And you could tell from the postgame, you could tell by the way that the guys were celebrating, they all knew exactly how long it's been since they'd won a series. And it's a big-time weight off of their shoulders. And we're going to talk about that too. But for me... You know, at 10 years old, you know, you can vaguely remember a little bit, um, but not not enough for me to go through and tell you the the play-by-play. Like, I'll be able to, to know five, six, seven, eight years from now that the Braves were able to win uh, a game against Trevor Bauer in which the team's both starting pitchers put up zeros and then won a game against Luis Castillo where he gave up one run and the Braves still managed to pull it out in a season in which their starting pitching was supposed to be the worst part of this team and both starters pitched immaculately. That was, honestly, I feel way better about the Braves' chances after that series than I did going in. I, I do too, actually. And and I don't know if we can expect Max Fried and Ian Anderson to to come out and duplicate what they did against Cincinnati because the, Cincinnati's offensive struggles are pretty well documented. Even, even if they've got a lineup that's stacked with guys who have done it before, it's a bunch of guys who aren't doing it right now. And putting up 22 zeros... 22 zeros for a pitching staff, like you said, just maligned all season. You know, Ian and Max came out and did 13 of those, but then that left the bullpen to cover nine other innings and just top to bottom, they looked spectacular. Tyler Matzik, just so happy for that guy going from getting the yips and being completely out of baseball to pitching meaningful innings and getting out of some real deal jams. He got himself into them, but he got out of them too. Will Smith looked great. I mean, just every everything you saw was was just how you would want this to go. And my first thought after <clears throat> after the second game got wrapped up was the 2019 Nationals. Because we as Braves fans, we used to bang on them for saying that they've never won a playoff series, ever. And they got lucky. Truthfully, one misplaced ball by Trent Grisham is the reason why the Nationals advance to the next round. But it doesn't matter whether it's skill or luck that gets you to the next round in the playoffs. They got there. They got the monkey off their back, and then they just rolled from then on out. And then they won their first World Series. So I, my first thought was, well, maybe it could be a similar thing this year where the Braves have been. It, it wasn't never like it was with Washington, but it, you know, 20 years and uh, 25 years since uh, since they won a World Series. I mean, now they actually have momentum. They haven't had momentum in the playoffs in a really long time. So uh, just... Feel feel really good. It's going to get a little hairier the longer these series get because even for as good as the starting pitching was in the wild card series, 
you start getting into some options that aren't quite as reliable over the course of the full season. Kyle Wright is going to start Game 3 after Max and Ian starting Games 1 and 2. With the Marlins being the opponent, I there's been some rumblings about maybe doing a bullpen game. Again, uh, sending Tomlin out to man a couple innings and then just piecing it together from there. Based on what we saw out of Bryce Wilson on, I think it was the 23rd, it was that last series against the Marlins. He pitched really, really well against them, uh, struck out seven over five scoreless innings, looked about as good as we've seen Bryce look. So I would not be opposed to him getting a start for game four. But to that point, you're still, you've got your two established guys at the top, which seems crazy to call Ian Anderson established after seven starts, one of which is in the postseason. Um, but when you start getting into four game series or five game series that have um, no rest days, and then after that, the NLCS and the World Series, you know, it's really going to test this team a lot. I'm glad it's a shorter season because the arms might not be as fatigued as they would be otherwise. So you could probably get some out of them that you wouldn't get in a normal playoff situation. But just, just glad to be able to have this conversation for right now. Absolutely. And Facing the Marlins is kind of a unique opportunity. The last time the Braves and Marlins met in the NLDS, it was 1997, I believe. That was the Kevin Brown game one. That was the random season where Kevin Brown was way better than like every pitcher in the world. Um, I don't remember much, but I remember that. Um, but the Braves have seen the Marlins a lot over the past few years, and it presents a unique opportunity. Now, I've said numerous times on Twitter, uh, ever since people have been freaking out ever since the postseason started, I actually like the Braves matchups against anybody not named uh, the Dodgers. Actually, I actually think the Braves match up well with everybody in the postseason besides the Dodgers, and I don't think that's as lopsided as I thought it would be at the beginning of the season. But for the Marlins, it's really a perfect matchup on paper for the Braves. And I know there's Marlins fans, all three of them are saying the same things today that we're saying here. Uh, that, oh, the pitching depth is going to help. But when you take a look at that Marlins roster, literally everywhere, the Braves are better. Whether it's starting pitching, this is one of the few teams that you could say that you could take both starting fives, and you take the Braves starting five over the Marlins starting five. Sandy Alcantara is a fine pitcher. He's a really good young pitcher. Max is better. Uh, you, you take Sixto Sanchez, really, really talented, super high ceiling. Ian Anderson is better right now. Uh, you take Pablo Lopez. Now, Pablo Lopez is probably better than Kyle Wright overall, but the Kyle Wright that we saw his final two starts is better than what Pablo, uh, Pablo Lopez has given the Marlins for most of his young career. Now, that's probably the one matchup that I would say you, you might favor the fish, but they decided not to match it up that way, which we'll talk about here in a second. But you look at the lineup. Even with Starling Marte in the lineup, the Braves lineup was far better than Miami's. I mean, they're starting Matt Joyce at cleanup. Uh, meanwhile, our cleanup hitter is Travis Darno. Um, you, you talk about the defense. I think we can both say the Braves defense much better than the Marlins defense. Uh, you talk about the bullpen. This is not even a question. The Braves bullpen is one of the elite bullpens in baseball. The Marlins bullpen is really not that good at all. Uh, they've got some interesting pieces, but they're really not a good bullpen. Uh, this is one team where, and this is, I, I'm going to do this again because I know Braves fans are are trying to find the the downside here. They're trying to find that thorn or the piano that's going to drop on their head. Uh, there again, there's no, there was no excuse to lose to the Reds. I'm glad they didn't. There's no excuse for them to lose to the Fish. The 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 Braves are the far superior team, not just on paper. They're the far superior team in practice. The Braves took four out of the last five. Uh, the, the Braves are just a better team than the Miami Marlins. This should be a fun series because the Marlins are scrappy. But now you talk about Starling Marte being hurt. The Braves pitchers should be very, very happy to go into a series where their best player is most is – I'm not even sure if he's going to play. 
Yeah, I, for, if uh, the reports that came out at the end of the Cubs series are accurate, he can play defense and he can pinch run, but he's not going to be able to hit. And so you take away one of their best offensive contributors and also the fact that they're going to be without Jose Urania, who's out for the rest of the season, one of their better pitchers, then when you start looking, you start comparing the depth once again, then starting pitching, Braves take it, even if it is just kind of by a nose, they they do take that because Lopez Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez that that's legit. I mean that's that's a really good starting three. But beyond that, they're facing the same thing the Braves are. You and I were texting earlier today. What are the Marlins doing game four? Are you really going to throw out Alicia Hernandez or Trevor Rogers? You know, fine pitchers, but not playoff start pitchers yet. Maybe eventually in their career. I mean, Trevor Rogers has twenty eight innings in his, in his career, and fine prospect. He's no Ian Anderson. So they have a lot of questions. They have a lot, a lot of questions. Now we know about the 29 to nine game. The Braves went out there and that was against Pablo Lopez. He started that game and there was some, uh, a little bit of bad luck that set up that 11 run second inning. Uh, there was a clearly missed out call and then there was another catch that should have been made that wasn't. So the Braves worked with four outs in that inning to, uh, and a little bit of luck to, to post the 11. But even removing that game, they took Braves took five out of nine from Miami, but they only outscored them thirty nine to thirty five. And there's some unevenness there. There were two starts by Kyle Wright. One of them was three innings, and he walked six. That was, I think that was the last one before he went back to the alternate site. And then, and then they the were, other one, by the way, I think the other one was his first game back up. If I'm exactly. Not yeah, he allowed five runs over four innings, but he did look better. He definitely looked better on that one. And the Marlins have done something that no team in Major League Baseball has been able to do, and that is they figured out how to beat Ian Anderson twice. So, Again, though, one of those was the really heavy rain game. Yeah, and and the Braves had clinched at that point, and they, they weren't really playing for anything. So there there's still there's just some inconclusive aspects of this but you're absolutely right when you say there's no reason for the Braves to lose i think you're absolutely right i mean when you're when you're looking at power pitchers versus power lineups it's different in the playoffs but they're also they're going to be playing in a neutral ballpark to both of them and houston is smaller or at least some of some of the dimensions of houston are smaller than atlanta and they are Everything about Houston is smaller than Miami. So some of these guys like Anderson and Aguiar and guys that are going to right-handed pull hitters, they may stand a benefit from the fact that they're not playing in Miami. They're playing, uh, they can hit them right up up into the Crawford boxes in left field in Houston. So that could be something that just totally unexpected park factor there. All things considered, it's a five-game series. I think I could see a scenario where either team wins, but if the Marlins do win, it's because something has gone wrong for the Braves or because they they are taking them for granted. But I don't think that after having won that series against Cincinnati, knowing how many national writers and or just people all over the place are expecting them to implode and not be able to handle the pressure, well, I think they know that, and I think that the people that were really down on them going into the Cincinnati series are even farther down on them now, saying, oh, well, they got lucky, and, but they're going to do what Atlanta teams do, and they're just going to implode. I think that they know all of the narratives that are surrounding them. They know that they were supposed to make it at least to the NLCS last year. Everybody in the in the locker room knows that, so... Freddie's already talked about it. Freddie was asked today, and he said that there's still a big chip on their shoulder. They're happy to get, to get that first win out of the books. And by the way, you were talking about the Marlins being able to beat Ian Anderson, and I do want I want to bring that point up because uh, 
I think it's a very I thought for sure we were finally going to get Ian Anderson versus Sixto Sanchez and I'm kind of mad at the Marlins for ruining that uh, but they they do when you're talking about the two uber prospects for the two guys they both faced each other two times they both faced the other team twice uh, first time out uh, Ian Anderson that was the September 7th game right September 7th yeah, yeah that was the yeah, Labor September Day game 7th, uh, went three innings Gave up two runs. That was the game that he had four walks. He had three in the first inning, and we were just happy that he was able to settle it down. Um, that one, he ended up with a 45-game score, a 452 FIP, and a 517 XFIP. Uh, the next time he played them, though, that was the rain-out game where he only went five and two-thirds. That was the really heavy rain game. He ended up going super late. That one, he had six Ks and no walks. Ended up with his uh, his periphery numbers were fantastic. A 58-game score in five and two-thirds is pretty dang good with a 107 FIP and a 312 XFIP with a zero ERA. Uh, would what would you would you imagine based on Sixto's first start? He probably had pretty good numbers against the Braves, right? That's what you would think. You would think. Well, not so fast because I'm about to tell you some numbers here that maybe I'm not sure if it'll make everybody feel better because I think we here in Atlanta are kind of programmed to uh, maybe think of the worst case scenario when it comes to our favorite teams in the playoffs. I can't uh, can't imagine really why. Just, just winning when it matters most. Uh, but the first time that Atlanta faced Sixto, he absolutely went out there and shoved for six innings. Was was. Fantastic. Um, not gonna, not gonna pretend he wasn't. He was absolutely dominant. Uh, that was one of his first starts of the season. Really, it was his fourth start of the season. He went six innings, only walked one, had the six Ks. That one, he ended up with a seventy-five game score. That's that's really, really good. And did that off a two nineteen FIP, actually a four twelve X FIP, which means he probably should have given up a couple homers. But the second time the Braves faced him on October or on September twenty third, this is one of the things that I mentioned in a tweet about Sixto. He's faced two teams twice. Both times, he pitched significantly worse the second time he faced them. The second time he faced Atlanta, again, uh, I believe that was a rainy game as well. It was another one of those weird games. He went three innings, four walks, only two strikeouts, with an ERA of 12, a FIP of 5.86, and an XFIP of 8.43 with a 33-game score. So even in that scenario, Ian Anderson comes out on top. Uh same thing with the Nationals. Now, he didn't do good against the Nationals his first start, but he did even worse the second time. That's one of the things with Sixto, and I've mentioned this to you a number of times. I've mentioned it on both of the shows here a number of times. Uh, when pitchers face a team for the first time, you can talk about what a guy does well. You can see his minor league video and what he does well. It's not the same thing as facing it live. And the first time, he was absolutely stymieing the Braves hitters. The second time, the Braves looked like they'd kind of figured out the patterns that he goes with and kind of figured out the way his stuff breaks. I'm looking for something like that this round. Now, granted, the playoffs are a little bit different, and Sixto is just coming off of an outing where he pretty much outdueled you, Darvish, which is not easy to do. Uh, but this is a Braves team that has seen him. This will be the third time they've faced Sixto. And I think that's the other factor in this series is that they've just seen each other so many times. It's going to be hard to catch them off guard. But I think in, in scenarios where teams have seen each other a lot, it's where the talent gap becomes a lot more pronounced. So I'm expecting a really, really good series from the Braves. Uh, I love the Max Fried-Sandy uh, Alcantara matchup. It's, weirdly enough, I know when Alcantara was coming up with the Cardinals, uh, most people would have thought he'd be this big power-pitching guy, a guy whose secondaries were pretty far behind, but a guy who's probably going to deliver a really high K rate. Alcantara is actually fairly similar to Max Freed in, in his pitching style. He doesn't have the same curveball as Max, but uh, he's a guy that gets a ton of ground balls, 
doesn't overpower hitters despite the fact that he has pretty high velocity. Doesn't really overpower batters at all. They're pretty similar matchup. It's just Max is a better pitcher at this point than Sandy Alcantara is. That's going to be a really fun matchup. You talk about Pablo Lopez and Ian Anderson. Ian is more talented, but Pablo has has stymied the Braves in the past. And he's also gotten rocked by the Braves in the past. Um, it, it's the Kyle Wright and Sixto Sanchez matchup that I think is the the only matchup that I would point to and say that's the one that's in favor of the Marlins um, because Sixto is. I would say Sixto is more talented than Kyle Wright, although Kyle has looked fantastic. Sixto is a higher ceiling pitcher. Um, the Marlins have hit well off of Kyle Wright multiple times in the past. Granted, not this Kyle Wright, but but that's going to be the narrative until Kyle Wright shows otherwise. But when you look at this game one, this is going to be. I think that's going to be the deciding game. I think whoever wins tomorrow, I think that's who wins the series. I think the Max Fried, Sandy Alcantara, both of those guys would be set up to pitch game five should it go to five games. I think whoever is able to pull out game one is going to be the team that wins. You were talking about how much better the Braves' bullpen is than the Marlins' bullpen. It's a, it's a very similar thing to with Cincinnati. You don't have to completely overpower the starting pitcher to stay in the game. You know, the, the Braves exactly. a, attack late. You know, they are really, really good at attacking late. So as long as they can, they don't even have to have the lead, but as long as they're within one or two, you feel good about your chances to get to the Marlins' bullpen for at least a couple of these. Now, ideally, what you would love to see happen is that they just go out and they are just smacking Alcantara around early, you know. Uh, you do kind of have to be careful when it's games like these, especially with no days off. Like, if you get to Sandy within, say that you put up five, six runs in the first two, three innings, well, you're almost doing the Marlins a favor because then you're starting to answer the question about game four. Because if he's, he's only throwing 45 pitches, even if he's getting his stuff pushed in, then he's still going to be an option for game four. So if you're going to, if you're going to really just demolish a starting pitcher, do it in like the fourth or fifth inning after he's got 80 something pitches into where he's going to be on the shelf for a couple of days anyway. So the, the right versus Sanchez matchup is so interesting too, because the Marlins are the type of team that would drive somebody like Kyle Wright crazy because he he is getting better about the mental aspect of it, but they they are just pesky and sneaky and fast and just annoying. God, they were so annoying. They remind me of like the 2018 Pirates with, with like with Newman and Frazier, and I think that's when Kutch was still around. I mean, just really kind of bleeders all day. You know what I mean? So they were trying to take it farther than they did when they went out and got Chris Archer. They they weren't able to turn that into anything. But the very similar profiles between the two. And with Wright versus Sanchez going up against each other, that that is gonna be just I'm that's the most intrigued I am about any any of these matchups. It'll be the third time seeing both, and they're both on the upswing with each other. Wright especially, you know? And this is gonna be it's a really good timing for him to come in here and finally get this start and see if he can, on top of do it, proving that he can do it in the regular season, if he can do something like this in the playoffs too, it's all just going in the confidence bin for him. And, and the more you can fill that up, Freed and Anderson is good. You can go deep. You could almost say, if the Braves were to make a World Series, there will be off days during, during the World Series. Not during the NLDS or CS, but there are during the World Series. You can almost make a point. You could win a World Series with only having Max Fried and Ian Anderson. You know, if you're able to circle back and have them for games four and five, or five and six, as it were, 
The offense is good enough to where you could win a World Series with just those two, but that doesn't mean you should try it. If Kyle Wright can go out and, and allow two runs over six innings or something, that is a huge boost of confidence, and you feel better about him going out for whenever, I guess, if he's game three, that he wouldn't pitch again until the NLCS, and then he feels better about it too, which Max Freed, he's got... He's got it. You were referring to his playoff moxie earlier. He's got it. He's got, for being such a, a calm, nice boy, he looks like he's going to just stab you when he's on the mound. And Ian Anderson doesn't look like he's going to stab you. He's just like, he just can't be bothered by your nonsense. Like, whatever. Sit down. Just sit down. And Kyle, yeah, Max, Kyle Wright Max doesn't know like how a, he feels. Max, it looks like it's a personal affront to him when he misses a pitch. Yeah. Like, Max is more angry with himself that he gave you a pitch to hit than you actually hitting the pitch. And then he just goes out there and looks like he wants to murder you. Uh, I mentioned this to you in the text that Ian reminds me so much of Soroka. Now, he's got a much higher K potential than Soroka, especially due to that fastball changeup combination uh, and really the curve and his ability to mix all three of those pitches seamlessly. That's something that Soroka, because he generally deals more with a sinker uh, than a four seam, he, can't, he doesn't really throw up in the zone a whole lot which is something that, that Ian does very, very well. Um, but it's that same type of nature where you can't tell by looking at him whether he's given up, you know, whether he's walked the bases loaded or whether he's caged six straight. It's the same steady motion. And Max, while he doesn't look like he gets flustered, he does show emotion and that he will show anger. And that, that's one of those things when you're looking at the two guys. I, I, I've thought this for a while, but Max just has that thing about him that I want him having the ball in the biggest situation. He's that guy that that looks like he's going to go out there and I'm going to shut you down and tear you apart and rip out your soul. It almost reminds me a little bit of, like, let's say a, a more calmed version of Scherzer, where Scherzer really wants to steal your soul and he's yelling at you. Max looks like he's just going to try to glare you into the ground and expects himself to be perfect. Uh, I love having those two. In the, in the playoffs, and I love having them one too because I think what it does is it gives you two guys who are very much only going to ride high. They're not going to get down. I, Max can get, um, can get amped up, but he's not going to get amped down, and Ian seems to be a straight line all the way across. So you feel good about having them one too because should the worst happen and you lose game one, Ian is the perfect type of pitcher to throw game two because it's not going to pressure him too much he's still going to go out there and throw his same game and max you feel like you put him in a game one where you tell him hey i need you to go win this max is going to do everything possible to go out there and win that game so i feel great about that uh we've already run through 25 minutes on this episode which we thought was going to be the whole episode so i gotta move on from that real quick um but talking about the lineups because i do want to spend more time on this because i do think this is the deciding factor I mentioned this earlier that I feel better about the Braves that they were able to, with their pitching woes, that they were able to dominate a team purely through pitching for 22 scoreless innings with their starters. Really, 22 scoreless innings, period. But but through many of those with the starters, that to me was a bigger sign for this Braves team than anything else because if you're, I know what this offense can do. I, we, we saw what the offense can do in one inning against the Reds, against a really good closer in Rysel Iglesias. We know what this offense can do, and we know that this Marlins pitching staff, not just their starters, but you have to talk about their bullpen in general, they're very young in the bullpen as well, and they're prone to give up the long ball as well. So I don't worry about the offense. If you're telling me that I can get strong outings, if this, again, I'm not going to say that you're going to hold the Marlins scoreless for 22 consecutive innings, but if you're telling me that this starting rotation can even be close to what they were uh, against the Reds, 
This is a huge advantage for the Atlanta Braves. I mean, you know the offense is going to score. And in a five-game series, then you, you feel good about the Braves' offense's chances of putting up six runs in at least two or three of those games. You, you don't have to worry, or I don't worry as much anyway, about being shut down. You talked about if it does go five, who's going to throw game four for the Marlins? It's either going to be Eliza or Hernandez or Trevor Rogers. Neither one of those guys should worry any Braves fans. As a matter of fact, it's one of the few rotations in baseball where I would say, sure, throw Bryce Wilson over one of those two. I mean, it, it's, it's really a good matchup for the Braves on paper, not just because we beat the Marlins a lot, not just because the Marlins are a really young team, but because the Braves just match up very well with them. Even with the Marlins at full strength, the Braves would match up well. So for Braves fans, it is really shaping up to be an NLDS to remember. I, I'm really looking forward to this, and that's even before we've gotten into the bullpen. Same here. Before we go any farther, I am contractually obligated to remind you we are brought to you by Armchair Media as well as Bet Online. Bet Online encourages encourages you to go and test your sports acumen by putting down some cash on the insane amount of sports that are happening right now: MLB playoffs, NBA finals, NFL, college, world badminton league. What's the last time you put money on a shuttlecock? Go to Bet Online, and the answer to that can be right now. We are also brought to you by Kibbles and or Bits. You have to choose one, you selfish bastard. We are also brought to you by Manscaped. I really wanted to do like a long in-depth ad this week, but I'll spare you most of the puns because we're short on time. Go to manscaped.com, 20% off your order and free shipping. If you're having problems with your bush, mainly the fact you haven't trimmed it since before the 60-game regular season started, that's gross, you need to go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code armchair, you 70s beast, you. Even your boxer briefs, Afro can't stand up to the lawnmower 3.0's enthusiasm and finesse, and your balls can rest easy with the patented skin-safe technology. And don't forget about that bone cone cologne, the crop preserver. Promo code is again armchair, 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com that's manscaped for male apes i i think you could make a case when you're when you're looking at what happened in the cincinnati series you could make a case for why you could panic about the offense for like just a little bit you know because they did only score two runs for 21 innings okay the the eighth inning against iglesias was great it in no small part for the fact that they were finally able to put some runs on the board. They did it against a guy that does not give up home runs. He gave up twice as many home runs in that inning as he gave up all season long. The The offense is going to score, and even as good as Sandy is, even as good as Sixto and Pablo are, they are not Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo. So I think you can rest a little easier about the Braves making it more of an offensive game than they did against Cincinnati. This is going to be a very different series than, than it was against the Reds. So just, I obviously want them to sweep, but I kind of am curious to see what happens if, if it gets a little deeper in the series. And there's going to be at least one of these NLDS series, and you kind of started to see it in the Padres Cardinals series, um, the wild card series, where Padres just threw nine straight relievers out there for running one inning at a time. So... The deeper it gets into the playoffs, the deeper these individual series go, you're going to start to see some really, really weird stuff. Like, there was a conversation about whether they should let Jake Cronenworth pitch in, in Game 3, in like an elimination game in the playoffs. So, I would love a sweep. I would love a 3-0 sweep. Let's go ahead and get to the NLCS, whether it's Padres or Dodgers. But uh, the the full-on chaos theory that, that stands to, to emerge out of this, I'm not going to act like I'm not intrigued by that, too. I think one of the things that, that makes this such an intriguing series is this is kind of the second series in a row where this Braves team is kind of playing the heel. Um, it's kind of weird because the Braves are a very lovable team. I'm not sure why, but 
the first round, everybody was on the Cinderella story of the Cincinnati Reds. You know, one of the only teams in baseball that's gone longer than the Braves with a playoff drought uh, or a playoff series victory drought was the Reds, who haven't won a postseason series since 1995. Um, now you've got the Marlins, who's everybody's Cinderella story, despite their best efforts to derail the season at the very beginning. It's kind of the same thing as the Cardinals. Where everybody's like, oh, those lovable Cardinals, even though they're like the least lovable team in all of baseball. Uh, the Braves are playing their heel role again, which is kind of a different space for them. They've kind of always been the the happy-go-lucky team. I kind of like seeing the Braves get to be that heel, the team that everybody's looking at, like, oh, they're preventing the Cinderella story. I'd rather prevent the Cinderella story than be the Cinderella story. Uh, when you just look over that Red Series really quick and you got to see that the team went about their business pretty well, but it was it was pretty obvious that the Braves were over Trevor Bauer. Uh, just, just in their Twitter, uh, the, the Twitter war between, if you want to call it a war, the Twitter spat between Trevor Bauer and Ronald Acuna. I think it's pretty, pretty obvious that the Braves have con- come into this postseason, uh, with, with the mantra of we're better than you and we're just going to try to stomp you into the ground. And I think that does bode well for this series. This is not a series to play with your food. This is a series where the Braves and Marlins have some bad blood between them. Uh, the Braves and Brian Snicker in particular do not like Don Mattingly, and not hard to see why. He's a top five most punchable face in all of professional sports. Uh, he's also a, a tremendous D-bag. Uh, this is one of those series that I don't think you'll see any bad blood rear its ugly head because there is no Jose Urania, so you don't have that Urania-Acuna vibe going. But this is one where Acuna has let it be known, even in warm-ups today, exactly where his mind is at, wearing a, a 29 runs shirt in batting practice today. Uh, this is a this is a team that they're they're playing the heel role, and you know what they're they're fully expecting it of themselves to go out there and dominate. I think this is the right year for it. I'm looking, I'm I'm really thinking that, and I I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I I did want to talk about this. I really think that getting that first series out of the way is going to allow this team to play a lot more loose and allow them to to play more up to their potential. Because we say what you can say what you want about you can't measure whether uh, you can't measure uh, bad luck or you can't measure attitude or, or the curse or whatever. So, you know, a lot of people don't believe in it, just like a lot of people don't believe in jinxes. But there is a real point to the pressure that is added onto you when you know your team has failed to succeed in this area, not just recently, but for the last 20 years. And to be the team that gets that out of the way, once you get that monkey off your back, it is a huge, huge relief. And I really do think that that's going to play a huge role in the Braves' postseason. Well, and it's also really interesting, too. One of the the most fascinating narratives about this series now is it's a second straight series where the Braves are, like, the experienced team. You know, because it seems like even for having been in the playoffs the last two years that they're still kind of green a little bit because they haven't won anything. And, you know, the Reds hadn't even made the playoffs since 2012. And like you said, they hadn't hadn't won anything since... 1995, and then the Marlins, who, I don't know, I mean, it's just a whole bunch of young, scrappy dudes, this is the first time making the playoffs for a lot of them, you have some guys like, like Jesus Aguilar, the Jesus Eagle, who, uh, who has been there before, you know, when he, he was with the Brewers, and, and Joyce, and, you know, there's a couple of guys there, but for the most part, um, I was very impressed by the way that the Marlins handled the Cubs, I, I think that, uh, especially for how how many Cubs had been there before. Uh, just really rough times in the Windy City right now. But for Miami to go out, and they they had their strut going, and they, they took that series. They swept it. So they 
have a little bit of momentum, and it's really up to the Braves to just take that away from them and say, look, there you are at the base of a mountain just like we were a couple years ago. You have a very long journey ahead of you, and you are well-equipped to make it. But I'm sorry, right this second, it's it's our turn. And, and that's not, I'll say the same thing that I said about last week's series. I am... I do not have this in the books, okay? I am very confident in the Braves' ability to win. Playoff baseball is weird, man. I would not be surprised for any outcome, including the Marlins, not just winning, but sweeping this series, not having anything to do with talent levels. Just playoff baseball gets weird. That, and I'm really trying to just be ready for this in case some nonsense happens. So, And, and you should, I too. Think that's where, I think that's where you and I are going to differ a little bit. Uh, I'm... I'm not going to even bother setting myself up for that inevitable downfall. I'm not going to plan for failure. Uh, I'm going to roll with that this team is the better team, and there's no excuses to not win. You you said something earlier about, and you just said about how how crazy playoff baseball can be, and you mentioned earlier about path to victories for the two teams, and I, I do agree that there is a path to victory for the Marlins, and I agree when you said it has to be screwy for that to happen. I think there's two ways this series ends. Either the Braves end it really early, three or four games, or it goes all five and the Marlins scrap out a victory. I don't I don't see the Marlins' ability to sweep this series. I'm not going to say they can't do it because the bats could go dormant. I mean, we've seen it happen before. But I'm not going to expect that. What, what we said last week about the Braves, that this is a different bunch. You can't judge them by the mistakes of, of Brave seasons past. This is a different team than the one that we saw last year. This is a much deeper lineup. It's a much deeper bullpen. It's a much deeper bench, really. Than, than what it has. And the Braves haven't had to use that bench because their starters have been so good and for the most part have been very healthy. But this is a Braves team that's in a much different spot than they've been in postseasons past. This is probably the most complete Braves team probably since what was that uh, 2000, 2008 or 2009, that big September collapse team. They were a pretty well put together team, which would made the collapse so crazy. But this is the most well put together team since those early runs. For the Marlins, they just have nothing to lose. You know the exactly yeah, which which tells me you know that that's the the type of team that plays with its hair on fire and you know being more aggressive. Like we talked uh, two weeks ago, when was the Freddie to Dansby to nail Monty Harrison play? That was against the Marlins. But Ooh, yeah, still but, still going back. What an amazing play that was! It was amazing. But and that's the type of thing with the Mar- there are a lot of teams that wouldn't even take that chance. But the Marlins are like, look, we are we're playing with house money right now. We're just gonna get crazy. You know, they obviously were trying as hard as they could to win that game. So that's why you take that opportunity. But like I said, some teams would play it safe and just say, you know, we're going to we're just going to go station to station here. We're going to be smart about how we do this. And the Marlins are like, nope, let's get weird. So once again, I full faith in the Braves to win this series. They should win. They have the better team. They're better on all fronts like we covered. But until they win it, I just I can't celebrate yet. I just I can't I can't celebrate yet. I want to, but I just can't yet. That leaves us to the $20 million question to close the the show out today. Uh, give me your series prediction. Braves in four. Give me yours. Okay. That's, actually, I was going to say the same thing. I'm going to say Braves in four. Um, I, I think that the Marlins are a scrappy enough bunch to stave off elimination for one round. And uh, again, like I've said before, whenever teams have faced each other a lot and you don't have a lot of surprises – then it can work in both teams' favor. I will, I will say I will not be shocked to see a Braves sweep. I think the Braves are fully able to sweep, and I think if, if we see the same Kyle Wright that we saw for the the final two or three outings of the season, if, if that's the real Kyle Wright now, the Braves sweep. I'll go ahead and say that now. Um, I think the only way that the Marlins scratch across a, a win in this series is if Kyle Wright 
struggles against the Marlins like he has his previous two times out there. But I don't think it's the same Kyle Wright. I think he's starting to get used to pitching on the first side of the rubber. We've seen him change up his repertoire to where he's throwing the uh, the curveball a little bit more than the slider, and he's starting to adjust to being on the far first base side of the rubber, and he's looked like a totally different pitcher. He swapped more to the two-seam rather than the four-seam, and he's getting a ton of movement on it. Uh, if, if that Kyle Wright comes out, the Braves sweep. But I'm going to say Braves in four. I think the Marlins can scratch across a victory. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that they're built for the long haul. I don't think they have the depth that the Braves do. I definitely don't think they have the bullpen that the Braves do. And I think in a, in a series with no rest in between it, I think the Braves' ability to have multiple arms that cover multiple innings in the bullpen is going to be the downfall of the Marlins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they're set up for something like this. And whether it's somebody like like Bryce Wilson, who I'm pulling for for a game four, uh, because you're obviously not going to bring Max back on like two days rest, uh, or somebody like Waskari Noah, or even even if you do a bullpen game with a with a Tomlin to Matzik just to try and cover I think, six. I think they would do. I think if it goes to the fourth game, I think that the bullpen game is most likely. I think Tomlin will open, uh, although I'd still love to see Jacob Webb as an opener. Uh, I think you'll get a combination of Tomlin and Bryce Wilson uh, as well as all hands on deck. I think game four would be much more likely to be mostly all hands on deck, maybe two guys that don't get used. Because uh, Max Reed, if you're talking about Max Reed on short rest, you're talking about three or four days rest, you're probably not going to see him go six innings. You'll probably see him go about three or four and have to piece it together after that. But I think at that point, if we're getting to that point, we get to a game five, the Braves will still be in a better situation than the Marlins because the Marlins will have had to do the same thing. Yeah, no doubt. They've got, so, yeah, they got problems too. It's easy to focus on ours, but they got plenty of problems too. And I think that's the one takeaway for Braves fans, really, in closing this time. Uh, I know it's easy to to look at the the dangerous side or to expect failure. I mean, we it happens with all of our teams, but this is a Braves team that that they're just different this year. And I've said it all season long. They just look different. They don't look like the same Braves team. They don't look like the same happy-go-lucky Braves team. They've got a chip on their shoulder. They have fun. But this whole they, this whole last month or so, they've played with a large chip on their shoulder. Everybody's healthy at the right time. Everybody's been getting hot at the right time. This is just a different team, and I think this Braves team, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Not only do I think that the Braves have the best matchup here, I think if the Padres are able to beat the, the Dodgers, which they certainly can if Mike Clevenger is actually going to pitch in that series, I think the Braves would match up very well with the Padres as well. I think that this is a really good postseason for the Braves. We know how the Braves do in short season baseball. I'm along for the ride, Doc. I know you're along for the ride. For the rest of the fans out there, if you guys are are stressing this out, uh, I would tell you one simple thing. Just look at what the two teams have done all season long. Judge them by this season. Don't judge them by what the Braves have done in 2019 and before. Just judge by the 2020 Braves season, and you should feel a whole lot better. Very well said. And thank you to everybody who has stuck around with us for the episode. I like doing the the early week recording here. And uh, <laughs> you know, next time we talk to you guys, hopefully we'll be talking about uh, the NLCS matchup with the Braves actually in it. Yes, with the Braves actually in it. And hopefully we'll have a, a really good breakdown to, to come forward here. But uh, for now, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, game tomorrow at 2.08. We didn't even get to talk about how how much I hate MLB for doing this. Uh, just lucky that I get to watch the first two games. Uh, Doc, I'm very jealous of you right now. But uh, for everybody else out there, hope you guys get to watch. Um, should be a fun series, and go Braves. Okay, thanks. Bye. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.